0: Uh, this morning, what I'd like to do is spend some time. Two weeks ago, Rick spoke on God's sovereignty through the book of Esther. Last week, I spoke on God is healer, God as healer. And this morning, I'd like to continue in this vein of just the attributes of God. And I want to speak on God is faithful. As I was preparing for this week, I was thinking about um, just an illustration of God is faithful. And this will fall short, of course, because it's, it's a man illustration, and we'll get more into that this morning of, of just the significance and the deep richness that this truth is to the Christian heart and the hope that it is to our everyday life, that God is faithful. Um, in 2001, there was an American War drama miniseries that came out uh, through HBO. It was called Band of Brothers. Most of you have heard of it? Some of you might have even watched it yourself. I love Band of Brothers. I've watched it a number of times, and it's one of those those shows, those series that I find myself coming back to after some amount of time. It's it's like I just realize I need a dose of some Band of Brothers. And um, one of the things that I love so much about the show is the one of the main characters. Um, and if you if you're not Familiar with the show, it's a, a World War II American drama, as I said. It follows Easy Company, the 2nd Battalion, to the 101st Airborne Division of the U.S. Army. And, and it, it retells, the, it's a dramatization of their story of Easy Company in World War II. And the main character is this man by the name of Dick Winters. And Dick Winters, along from just, a, a, in, a, in addition to being just an absolute hero, he's, he's courageous. He um, is an amazing leader. Um, he's just all around a, a total, you know, bad guy in bad in the good sense. Um, but one of the things that I love is his strong character. And you watch the show unfold, and, and he's he's just one of his uh, fellow men in arms, and he rises through the ranks because of the integrity that he shows. But as you watch him, you will see that his men follow him into every single circumstance. In all of the certainty, in, in all of the uncertainty, and sometimes what they are certain is their death, it's his word that they follow because of who he is. And when he calls them into something, there is no hesitation. Behind the enemy lines, deep in the trenches, on rescue missions, they follow this man, Dick Winters, all throughout this battle. Over and over and over again. And as I was thinking just this morning about God's faithfulness, as I said a second ago, of course, this illustration falls short because he's a man and he makes mistakes. But as it pertains to the, the response that is garnered from those that follow him, he was a man that could be trusted, he was a man that was seen as trustworthy, and therefore his men followed him wherever. He went wherever he called them to. This is a natural picture of God as trustworthy, of God as faithful. And the text that I want to use this morning just to launch from is in Deuteronomy. So we'll put it up on the screen for you, or you can uh, follow along, of course. You can turn to the book of Deuteronomy. This, again, is in the Old Testament for the children who are at home and you're thumbing through your Bibles, just Cite it out real quick, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book in the Bible. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV, beginning in chapter 7, verse 6 of Deuteronomy. This, of course, is the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel, his people, as they are in the wilderness. They've not yet enter- entered into the land that has been promised to them. And this is the words of God to his people. Deuteronomy 7, verse six. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. Verse eight, this is the key. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. The Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What a beautiful just profession of that moment, of God's intent towards his people. One, of course, that still rings true today. Those of us who are a part of the new covenant of God's promise to Abraham being fulfilled through his new creation, you and I, these words still ring true for us today. The Lord your God is God, a faithful God. And I would imagine whether you were a a believer or perhaps you're watching this morning and you have not put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would imagine that you have probably heard the statement made before that God is faithful. God is faithful is perhaps one of the most clearly depicted and often spoken of aspects of his nature towards mankind and revealed to mankind through scripture. And I want to give you just this morning, as I begin, a a good working definition of God as faithful. And it is this God's faithfulness means that God will always do what he has said and fulfill what he has promised. God is faithful means that he will always do what he says and will always fulfill what he has promised. When God speaks, he speaks truth. He is the one whose word always proves to be true. Stop for a moment and think of that statement. What else can you say that of today? When they speak, it is truth. And it always proves to be true. There is no other today. He is the one who always proves to be true. And so I want to speak this morning just on three aspects. I want to speak on the origin of God as faithful. The origin of his faithfulness. The extent of his faithfulness. And our response to his being faithful. As I began today with God is faithful within the statement... I'd like to just focus our attention to probably the most logical of places to begin with, the most secure and sure of starting points, and that is God himself. God is faithful begins with God. He is himself faithfulness. And we've been saying this before as we've spoken of other aspects of his nature, as we've taught in this church, the quality of faithfulness originates in him. It's fully known and only truly seen in him himself. Let me say that again. It is only fully known and truly seen in God. No matter how many illustrations we can come up with to paint the picture of what faithfulness is, it always falls short because it always ends with man. God is faithfulness. Listen to this. It is who he is. It is who he is. It's not simply something that he just does or a way in which he acts. It's not simply something that God does, but it is who he is and therefore it's what he does. Do you hear that distinction? Numbers 23:19 Says this. I can read it or you can read along a couple books back so it's easy to get to. Numbers chapter 319 says this. So sorry, not 319. What did I say? 2319. I was gonna read something completely different. And out of the old testament, you never know what you're gonna get when you misquote a text. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not man, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said and will he not do it or he has spoken and will he not fulfill it? His faithfulness comes from who he is. It is not simply simply something that he just does. To say that God is faithful is to say that all he plans, all he says and all he does is true and trustworthy to come to pass. In the Hebrew language which we see here in in the text that we began with in Deuteronomy, the word for faithful means trustworthy and sure such that anyone can lean upon it. Anyone, believer or non, God is still faithful. In the New Testament, which is in Greek, the word that they use there also means trustworthy and true, but in addition, there's an implication of continuance. There's an implication of long continuance in the Greek. So God's faithfulness means both a certainty in its occurrence and a certainty in its continuance and longevity. That is God's faithfulness. It will most certainly come to pass if he says it, and it will continue and endure throughout all time. Such are his promises until the end of the age. The root within the Latin word for faithful is the word fides. It's where we get words like fidelity or bona fide, which literally just means good faith, bona fide, in good faith. And sadly, I would say that today in, in, in our context and within this world, fidelity is more likely to be associated with insurance over marriage. So often, faithfulness is, is known only in light of its ruthless and sinful counterpart, which is unfaithfulness. That's often what, how we come to know faithfulness in today's day and age. Culturally speaking, like many other Christian truths, genuine faithfulness experientially, is under significant assault in our world today. It's being redefined in its practice. Much like so many other things that are Christian truths, that are ours, that are God's to define, the world is redefining them strategically to undermine and to devalue the Christian principle and to undermine and devalue the reflection of God within this world and his nature to humanity. So by redefining it in practice, faithfulness in this fallen world is now often determined as something that is generally true of a person or persons. Faithfulness, as an unspoken definition, I would say, could now be said as most of the time we do what is mostly right. Think of how extremely opposite that is of what I just defined God's faithfulness as being. Someone that is considered a faithful person most of the time does what is mostly right. How far we have fallen from the standard of faithfulness as revealed to us in God himself. In Western Christianity, the idea of faithfulness has also been undermined through the downplay and the devaluing of covenant commitment within the body of Christ. The norm is no longer long and steady in the same direction, but rather more often it's short bursts bouncing from church to church until we find what we're looking for. It's creeping into the church as well, this redefining that culture has taken of faithfulness. But as we know, church, the darker that it gets, the brighter that the light shines, or at least the brighter the opportunity we have to shine the light. Therefore, the importance of right understanding in this subject cannot be overstated. We must take back what is rightfully ours to define. How will we do this? By the way that we live. And we come back again to such a, a, a significant and resounding and reoccurring truth of the Christian life. The way that we live, how you live right now, Brothers and sisters, or those of you maybe who are not even in the Lord Jesus Christ, hear the words that I'm saying. How we live our lives as Christians right now, in light of this cultural moment, reflects what we believe about God. How you live in this moment, the decisions that you're making, the reactions that you are having to pick from the myriad of things there are to react to right now each and every one of those reflects what you believe about God and what you believe about his word. All of the time, God always does what is right and trustworthy, for he cannot do otherwise. So that is speaking to the origin of God's faithfulness. It comes from him. It flows from his being. As I said, like love or like peace It it originates from God and therefore he acts accordingly because it is his character and his nature. Now to the extent, as to the breadth of which God's faithfulness experientially extends, it should be understood as this, boundless. God's faithfulness is boundless. Everything about God is vast and incomparable. Psalm 36.5 says this, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. The faithfulness of God is boundless in its extent. In his book, The Attributes of God, written by Arthur Pink, he says this, God's faithfulness is seen in that he never falters, forgets, fails, nor forfeits his word. Let me say that again. God's faithfulness is seen in that he never falters, forgets, fails, nor forfeits his word. I'm telling you today, for those maybe who are either young in the faith or young in age, or for the children who are trying to follow what I'm saying at home right now as I'm speaking Listen to this. If you hear nothing else, please hear this. God's word always proves to be true. You can hang your hat on that at the end of the day. At some point, those whom you trust, people in this life, even parents unto children, mistakes will be made. They will prove themselves in a moment to not be completely trustworthy. But God always acts according to his revealed truth in scripture, and it always comes to pass. You can always place your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's faithfulness is seen throughout the entirety of man's history in terms of the extent. It's nothing shy from eternity past as it extends all the way until eternity in the future. God's faithfulness has always been In his covenant, we see it in creation, in his covenant with Noah, recorded in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, God promises that while the earth remains, it says, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. The seasons are a reflection of God's faithfulness. The world that turns in a calendar year is a reflection of God's faithfulness. It's a promise that God made to Noah that still stands today and will continue to stand until Christ returns and the new earth is created. The passing seasons, the days that turn into weeks, that turn into years, all of them in and of themselves are testaments of God's faithfulness. Even, listen to this, faithfulness towards the unbelieving God shows a faithfulness to his word. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, in t- speaking of the revelation of the faithfulness of God in creation, that he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The faithfulness of God extends, much like the revelation of his grace through creation, so too is, the, is creation revealing the faithfulness of God as he sustains all things in accordance of his word. It's seen clearly in the preservation of his people, all through scripture, in the Old Testament, we see God's faithfulness manifest upon mankind through his sovereign and providential intervention. And that, again, was what, the thrust of what Rick spoke on in Esther a couple of weeks ago. Esther's story is a revelation of God's sovereignty and timing and his providential interactions with mankind according to his will. His covenant with Abraham, think about this, in terms of his faithfulness. His covenant with Abraham, his covenant with Isaac, with Jacob, with Moses, with Joshua, with David, and even when tens and hundreds of years pass by, people wondering, will God fulfill the promise that He spoke the four hundred years of intermediate time between the Old Testament, between the Old Testament and the New Testament? People are looking and wondering and waiting is the revelation that we see? Through the prophets of old, will God prove to be true? Of course, we know that he did. And I would say that in Jesus Christ, the faithfulness of God is probably seen the most clearly and the most pronounced. Jesus Christ is God's faithfulness personified. He is the embodiment of faithfulness. Think about that for a moment. You take this abstract, if you will this 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 thought, this truth, a principle that I'm sitting here trying to describe this morning, you take that, and if you were able to actually give it a physical presence, that is what Jesus Christ was. He was hope personified, peace personified, grace personified, faithfulness personified all of those things find their perfect picture in Jesus Christ. God's faithfulness cannot be truly understood apart from the revelation of Jesus Christ. We can have a picture of it, but to see it so perfectly and wonderfully and beautifully, we look to Jesus. 2 Corinthians one twenty-two. speaking of Jesus, Paul says this to the church in Corinth, all of the promises of God find their yes in him. In Jesus, all of the promises of God, all of the Old Testament, the the, the prophecies, the promises, the, the statements of hope and truth, they all find their yes, their culmination in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became the fulfillment of an unfaithful Israel of the Old Testament, God's chosen people. Jesus Christ became the fulfillment of the unfaithful Old Testament people. The relationship between God and Israel is shown in the Old Testament oftentimes as a one-sided, um, one, one-sided initiation by God to his people. Maintained by God even when Israel failed to uphold their end of the agreement, God was faithful even when Israel was faithless. That's what we see all through the Old Testament. But now, but now, through Jesus Christ, God plays out both sides of the relationship. Where it was in the Old Testament, God is faithful and Israel was really trying to be faithful most of the time often and a good majority of the time was not. Now through Jesus Christ we see both ends of the relationship are now maintained and upheld by God himself. He is both faithful father and faithful son. Jesus Christ, the revelation of God's faithfulness, God now no longer relies on his people, on mankind to be the faithful end of the relationship. He is doing both for us. Wow, what an amazing truth. He does both on our behalf. And it doesn't negate our part to play, which I'll get to here in just a moment. God's blessing towards us is no longer predicated solely on our obedience to his laws and his commandments. Instead, now through Jesus Christ, he both fulfills the requirement of the law and provides by a means of grace the ability to live faithfully unto him. That is what he has done in Jesus Christ. That is the personification of faithfulness in Jesus Christ. Now he maintains where we are not, he is. He was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world and he forever will be the faithful and righteousness of God on our behalf. That's absolutely amazing. When we just stop and we take something that we speak of and sing of and pray about so frequently, let our hearts just marinate in what we would probably say is a simple truth of the Christian faith and how it creates just a blossom of hope and joy and great pleasure when we consider the extent of God's love and mercy and grace towards us as Christians today. And if you are not a Christian, you most undoubtedly have experienced the faithless part of your life. Wanting to live trustworthy, desiring and endeavoring to be a trustworthy individual, but failing most likely over and over again, as we all do. Your hope can be the same, your joy can be the same as the one that I'm speaking of this morning. You too can step into the relationship where now God takes over as the faithful son or the faithful daughter. He's extending to you this morning a gift for you to open and to take pleasure in and delight in. If you hear his voice respond today, so what is our response then? This is the last part, and, I'll, and I'll, we'll just spend the last bit of the time here this morning in this. What's our response? We looked at where it begins. We considered how broad it is. And now, as I said a moment ago, it doesn't negate the fact that we have a part, even though he still is the faithful son. What is our part that we play? The extent of God's forever faithfulness in this way should cause us to proclaim as does the writer of Lamentations. Turn with me to Lamentations. Chapter three. You know this text so well. Right after Jeremiah, which is right after Isaiah, it's in the Old Testament. And it's a good thing I talked about Jesus because he's the New Testament promise. So we got the old and the new this morning. Lamentations 3, verse 22, we love this text. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This should be the proclamation of our hearts. This should be the song from our mouths each morning when we awake. The steadfast love of the Lord is towards me today. His mercies are new for me today. And so therefore, what is my response? Great is your faithfulness. A song of praise, a song of worship, and a dedication that would follow. In this doxology, there are two things. Well, he says he uh, in 322, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Um, the Lord is my portion, he'll go on to say, says my soul, therefore, I will hope in him. And there's two layers to this statement. The first is the statement of belief, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This is what we know to be true. So there's belief as the first. And then the second is the response. It's the action that comes from belief. The first is what we know to be true. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then the second, which builds upon the first, is the subsequent action. And it's, therefore, I will hope in him. We've long said this in this church, that right belief leads to right action. Right belief leads to right living. And as I said earlier, how we live right now during these times screams of what we believe, who God is. It's here between this belief and action that God's faithfulness moves from what he is able to do to the certainty of what he will do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's the belief and there's the action that's the result of the belief. There's the life that's lived out as a result of what we think and understand and believe. And it's here, the action finds its footing, it finds its momentum when the shift goes from what God is able to do to the certainty of what God will do in our own hearts, when we believe that God's promises, as I said a moment ago, are finding their yes and amen in Jesus Christ, and every word that God speaks and every promise that he gives to us throughout all generations will most certainly come to pass, when that goes from here to here, then we begin to live that out. And it's the living of that out. It's the actions that declare and that show and reflect God's faithfulness beyond just our stated intent. This is the divine line, I would say. This is where the writer of the Hebrews would say that, that we must hold fast to the confession of our hope. There's the belief. We must hold fast to the confession of our hope. Without wavering, there's our action. For why? For he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. As children and as obeyers of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is where our faith engages. This is where we have the ability to now engage in the part that God has called us to. This is where we put our money where our mouth is, in other words. There's a quote by Martin Luther. um, I think we have it on the keynote. We'll put it up on the screen. It says this, if I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition, every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking. I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christianity. Where the battle rages, the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefields, Besides his mere flight and disgrace to him if he flinches at that point. I love that statement that he says there. Where the battle rages, the loyalty of the soldier is proved. Here in this moment, I don't need to say it again. How we're responding, you guys, proves or disproves the very things that we say that we believe today. We have before us an unprecedented opportunity, brothers and sisters, to profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition, the faithfulness of God. We have before us in this moment such an opportunity as the world looks to its global and civic leaders waiting to see if their words will in fact be trustworthy. As voices of opposition hurl insults at each other for the lies and the deceit, we have within us as given by God, a beacon of truth, to shine as light, voices to profess with the loudest of tone and living breath to live before those that are around us, a life that reveals Jesus as the way, the truth and the light. This is what we have before us. All of us are sitting here wondering in this moment, will the governor's word prove to be true? We don't know. We're hoping, but what we do know when we're uncertain of that is that this is certain. This too is the revelation of God's faithfulness to his people. The Old Testament, you guys, is a record of God's faithfulness. Read it through the lens of looking for God's spoken word and the proof of his spoken word coming to pass over and over again. So for us, as we we consider the response, where there's the belief and then there's the call to action, today in your own heart, where perhaps are you living in strictly and solely the belief? Where we would all say, yes, God is faithful, but do your actions reflect the faithfulness of God? Do my actions, do my decisions, do my verbal responses to what I read or hear or communicate with other people reflect God's faithfulness? Or is it cynical? Is it jaded? If I'm honest about myself, it's probably the latter more than it is the former. I have to check my own heart because I go towards, uh, you know, I want to do this when I sit and watch the daily COVID recap. But that's not where God wants us to have our eyes set and fixed, church. It's on him. These things are going to continue around us. And as we've talked about in weeks before, the revel- the, one of the biggest things this is revealing is how mankind is not in control. We can't control it. But God is. So let's anchor ourselves in what is truthful. Let's move from just believing here now, living out this faithfulness of God. And that is a faith filledness in our own hearts and lives. Being faith filled and living faithfully. And I was thinking about this, thinking of that every word of God proves to be true. I just want to speak to you uh, just as I end here this morning and remind us of some of the f- promises. And these are well-known promises. These are just a few that I grabbed. But just in light of what I've been saying here this morning, that God is faithful and he can be no other way. I want you to listen to these promises. Let your f- heart find its anchoring in these statements. Paul says this to the Philippian church, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. Whoa, I just got the chills. That is a promise of God that will prove to be true, and it cannot be otherwise. The same letter, Paul says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is a promise that will be fulfilled. Second Peter 3, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is the intent of God that will be made manifest as we watch history unfold. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Daniel 2.21, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Now listen, you have to hear with ears to hear that rightly. That is a promise of God. It's not just a hope of what God can do, it's a promise of what He will do and has done. See, when we believe that God is truly faithful, church, these confessions and pronouncements become not merely trite phrases for us to write on sticky notes and place on our mirrors or on the dashboard of our car. They are promises sure to come to pass, which we can anchor our hearts to, that we can tie our families onto, and they are rocks that we can cling to in a moment like this. My prayer today is that by faith, through grace, that we may move from belief into action, because church, the world depends upon it. This morning my call to you to respond is to consider what I have said to you this morning and in your own lives, as I said a moment ago, where have you perhaps been stuck just in what you believe and not yet fully put it into action by faith and by the grace of God that's present for you in that area. Consider it this morning. Bring it to the Lord and allow the grace of God to fill you And allow the grace of God to help you make those first steps towards living rightly unto him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.